CPO. This is Stephen Buck, President and CEO of Care Providers Oklahoma. And today I am uh, delighted uh, to be joined by a good friend. Bob, I would say an old friend, but I don't want to... Um, you can say that. Go ahead. I, I can say that? About me. You might, you uh, might not okay. want to age yourself. Yeah. But. Bob, Bob Payton uh, is our guest today. Uh, Bob and I actually go back to 1990, so we're on three plus decades of friendship now. Uh, had the opportunity to work with Bob on, on numerous occasions. And so, Bob, welcome. Thank we're, you. We're very glad to have you here. Uh, to those listening, you may immediately pick up that Bob has a voice built for radio. Face built for radio. The voice is just an extra. I, I was trying to practice strengths-based compliments <laughs> there. Uh, we, we, we won't comment on the face for radio piece. So, Bob, we're glad you're here. I'm glad to be here, Steve. It's a, it's a, it's a joy to be with you uh, every time we talk. I, I enjoy it and, and uh, enjoy what we've been able to do together. So I, I joke about the, the radio piece, but that's where Bob and I first met. Uh, Bob was uh, running a radio station in Lawton, Oklahoma, and our paths crossed at that point. Bob, you've had a very, very varied career from radio to the work you're doing now. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. The first uh, 25 years or so uh, was radio, worked uh, my way up from being on the air to being the, the market manager for uh, large groups and uh, enjoyed that. But as it became more about Wall Street instead of Main Street, I said this isn't what I'd signed on for and uh, started exploring other opportunities. Uh, was in business uh, with my family uh, for a few years. My parents had retired uh, from full-time work but still wanted my, my dad was not one to retire and sit back and <laughs> and uh, uh, play cards and so uh, we started a, a, a business of, of some home goods and uh, enjoyed working in that full-time for a while and then got recruited uh, to, to uh, join uh, an industry uh, that I had not uh, ever thought about but relocation industry in a very unique niche uh, with a company there and so I was uh, calling on clients uh, all across the country and doing a lot of traveling and enjoyed that for a while. But uh, traveling uh, can can get old real quick, especially uh, when you've got a youngster that's at uh, junior high, young high school age and lots of activities going on. And so an opportunity to stay closer at home uh, presented itself. And I started in a manufacturing uh, industry and a couple of different roles there, but mostly focused on organizational development because as much as the early years had been focused on business development, I always enjoyed growing people is what I call it and and seeing people succeed after I got them in a, a spot where, where they were uh, able to, to really uh, lift themselves up and, and uh, follow the guidance, mentor them along and, and uh, do those kind of things. And so I started focusing more on the, on the human element and, and uh, did organizational development, uh, focusing on some, some leadership development within this uh, industry. There's really three co-owned industries. Um, and still work for that gentleman today, but he is now a state representative. And so I am his district director, 
Um, so I moved over to the political side. So, uh, yes, it has been varied. Um, I'm still a consultant uh, on the on the side with a number of, of clients, including CPO, uh, that I do different human relations uh, building opportunities for, as well as political uh, consulting now, uh, too, just, just completed uh, managing a, a, a race for a, a mayor in a community of 100,000 people, and uh, out of 8,000 votes that were cast, uh, our candidate uh, got two-thirds of the votes in a four-way race, and so we were very, very pleased with that outcome. That means no runoff. That meant no runoff, and that's what we were gunning for, exactly, so yes. Now, Bob, I need to do a second of disclosure here. This is important. If I have any Oklahoma legislators who are listening to this podcast, (laughs) and you're going, who among my colleagues has field staff? You're not doing work in Oklahoma. Let's be very clear. I, I am not. That, that is with uh, Texas, with uh, House District 69, which borders Oklahoma, uh, but uh, is south of the Red River. Okay. So, so Bob, you, you, you've got all these complex experiences professionally. And, and in fact, you, you do consulting work for us on our uh, CARE Careers Project, but you're also a member of our teaching faculty. I've uh, done a couple of presentations for our events. And one of the topics that I know you like spending intellectual and, and practical time in is on vulnerabilities in terms of organizational culture and communications breakdowns. It, in terms of productivity and worker happiness, what, what is the value of focusing on culture? Oh my gosh, it, it can't be understated, Steve. Uh, people leave organizations because of people, because of the supervisor or leader uh, that that they are reporting to or they see as in charge of them, um, you know, it, it's very rarely uh, when you when you get down to it, uh, the pay or anything else. It is the people, and what drives the people to be good or bad is the culture that the the top of the org chart person is creating and carrying out. So it's, it's one thing to cast that vision. It's entirely another thing to implement it uh, throughout the organization. And so um, as much as the CEO might think that, that this organization is wholesome and very caring and open door and all of those things, um, if, if you've got a, a, a supervisor that is somewhat unseen either because that CEO is not getting out and, and working the lot, as they would say in the car sales business, but, but seeing what is actually going on coming in at 3 o'clock in the morning if it's a 24-hour organization like, like long-term care facilities are, and seeing how that supervisor interacts with, with those people that are there at that time and making sure that it's not something totally different uh, than, than what you want. And uh, so many times... It is, and, and the CEO is stunned by it, and that shouldn't be. I, when, when you do personnel evaluations, annual reviews, whatever, whatever you want to call them, I have a, a hard and fast rule that the employee should never be surprised by something that comes up in that evaluation. If there is something bad going on with that employee, you stop down and you have that discussion, and you, you work to correct, correct that issue, uh, whatever 
needs to happen there. And you postpone the annual evaluation for 30, 60, 90 days until you can come back and say, okay, now let's look at how you're doing. If you go into that and surprise them with, you're failing and this, this, and this, and this, and they haven't heard it before, that's not fair. CEOs do the same thing because they don't get out of the office and, and get out on the floor enough and, and talk with the people. So many times that, that inner circle of trust can get very comfortable becoming yes people. And, and CEOs need to do uh, the hard work of asking the questions and going and investigating for themselves so that they aren't surprised when they find out that that third shift supervisor is cussing people out and you know just verbally assaulting them and, and it's just not a healthy environment. Uh, what happened? That person used to be so good. Well, you know, who knows what happened? You can get to that root cause, but you better you better get it fixed uh, and, and redirected pretty quick or you're going to lose a lot of people. Or as we have talked about in some of those presentations, um, the, the difference maker right now, especially um, with some targets aimed at Oklahoma, is organized labor. Um, that will that will come in, uh, especially they're targeted on health care and, and long-term care uh, in particular. And if, if you're not reacting to fix those issues, if you're not getting out and digging to find out really what's going on and do we have a good workplace environment, um, then organized labor will have a ripe field to cultivate of employees who will gladly sign on to be treated fairly. You know, Bob, you, you've done a lot, and you, you covered this in introduction, you have done a lot of diverse work. Um, across many fields, manufacturing, now government, um, private business, communications. You didn't mention you were an elected official yourself. You served on a school board, which I I really wonder why you did that, but thank you for that service. Um, We talked about culture, but when you look across all these organizations that you've had leadership roles in, are there any other elements of the people systems that you think are underappreciated, things that we don't uh, collectively um, grant the priority to that we perhaps should? Um, there is, uh, you, you can't stress people enough, and that, that's the common thread of everything right. I've done. That's yes, right. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've jumped in through a number of different industries, but it's taking care of people. It's, it's, it's listening to people. It's letting people uh, give them the credit, uh, give them the opportunity so that they can take the credit for fixing things. And, you know, just because... Uh, you are a senior person, uh, doesn't mean you've got all of the answers. You, you might have forgotten something that that person on the floor or at the bedside or wherever that point of, of a, uh, initial contact with your customer, client, whatever you want to call them, patient, um, whatever that is, you need to realize what's going on there. It, it is entirely different uh, than it was when you were doing that. If you came up through the system, if you weren't one who came up in that industry, then you better get educated on it uh, real, real quick. I, I won't uh, ever forget um, when I did join this manufacturing operation, my thought of welders was not anywhere near what welders are. And the mathematical uh, intuition that they have to have to to weld different angles 
and then knowing the components, the composite of, of different metals and whether they are going to weld together or not. And, and, and then the pure artistry of making a pretty bead instead of a, a, an ugly one. There are so many different factors that go into it that I was, I thought, I, I know nothing about what these guys really are. And, and uh, after I'd studied them for a while and, and really you know, came to appreciate them in a whole different light than I ever thought of welders uh, before. And, and so everyone has their unique talents. And something I, I try and live by, uh, one of the biggest uh, leadership tenets that I, I try and live by in everything I do is Stephen Covey made it a, a, a great quote, Seek first to understand, then be understood. Um, Love that. Uh, You've got to understand what's going on there at ground level in that organization from the people who are doing it before you can direct policies and procedures and things like that that are directly going to affect them. You know, I, I was thinking through that, and that's an extremely helpful axiom to practice by. I was thinking about your example of welder. And and one of the things that has resonated in my career, and I think I understand that more in the last decade than I did previously, is that leaders don't have to be the smartest person in the room. (laughs) Leaders have to make sure that they hire smarter people to achieve what they need to be, right? So I, I, I think it's this if, if you're in a leadership position, understanding that you should not be threatened by surrounding people with surrounding yourself with people with expertise, that's actually going to maximize your effectiveness. And and I'll just add on one quick uh, add on to that. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, Bob, I want to transition now specifically to your relationship with Care Providers Oklahoma. Uh, you have been working on our care careers and. I, I anticipate that either through podcast or webinar, you're going to have a more pronounced, uh, more visible uh, relationship over the next three years as we do this. But for the, the purpose of today's podcast, this is your first working introduction to long-term care. Mm-hmm. And, and you've, been, you've been at it with us for about nine months now. Just for, for those who are listening, what have been some of your observations as somebody new to the field as you've observed the work environments, the um, unique aspects of the field, just just some general observations that you picked up. Oh wow! It's it is an education, and I haven't been able to. Uh, I, I was able to get out and visit with several uh, facility administrators mm-hmm. um, as we started this to talk to them uh, and and find out what they were looking for as as they were looking for people. Um, toured some of the facilities, but didn't get into the nuts and bolts uh, as much as I would like to uh, at some point. But um, the different levels of care uh, for the different populations that are out there uh, is, is one of the first things that struck me. You have so many different um, uh, acronyms for, for <laughs> different, uh, different sectors uh, of, of the population, uh, whether whether they they need more intense care, whether whether they have special needs, and so that that drives uh, you know sometimes younger people, not not just senior care, uh, into it, um, and the different uh, 
certifications and all that the employees need to have. Um, I've always been impressed with uh, and, and, and we've used it in, in other businesses, that basic healthcare model of a nurse changing shifts and, and bringing the nurse for the new shift in and they stand at the bedside and kind of review what's gone on with that patient over the last whatever that shift was, 8, 10, 12 hours, uh, whatever. And they review the chart notes mm-hmm. and, and everything. And you've got to, you, you know, you, you mess up and, and you've got a life at stake. It's, it's not, you know, welding something out of place, even though those were big 90,000 pound oil platforms and stuff like well, that. Well, I mean, they can certainly uh, the, the, have they a catastrophic impact. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, but, uh, but it, it's not as immediate, you know, yeah. they, they've got time to go back and correct something that, that happens in healthcare. And so uh, taking that level of care, with everything that's going on um, is something that I've, that I've always been impressed with be- even before I, I got into to, uh, this position with you. Um, so those are some of the initial things that strike me. Um, I know that the industry uh, has really, really suffered uh, because of all the frontline issues that, that you know, it, it happened here. It happened worse, I think, in other parts of the country, but through COVID. And so haven't bounced back yet. And um, it, it's just like a lot of other entry-level careers haven't bounced back yet. Um, it's not alone, but it's, it's very difficult work uh, for the immediate gratification pay that's out there. The point that we're trying to build with the Care Careers program is that this is a pathway that in you know four to six years you can you can double your pay, uh, you can get yourself in position for a a wonderful lifetime employment, especially if you are one who get I'm a Amy who one who gives. I'm a people person. I love interacting with people, and if you're one of those people who loves to interact with people and care about them then this is a fantastic industry because you can see and hear the stories from people who have been cared for and loved on by staff in in long-term care and assisted living and all the other types of facilities. And they are in awe that someone who is not their family really takes care of them. And golly, those, those kind of things melt my heart every time. That's extremely well said. So Final question before we wrap up our conversation, and, I, and I'm trying to stay thematically uh, consistent with this through my episodes. Um, you, you've enjoyed a very varied, successful career. If you could go back and tell young Bob Payton, who was spinning records <laughs> back, I think, in Illinois when your career started. Is that right, that, Illinois? That, that is correct. If yes. you could go back and revisit young DJ Bob Payton, what, what would be the one piece of advice that you have now learned that you would like to impart on young Bob Payton? Oh, my. Uh, that is a fantastic question, Steve. And there are so many things. Um, learn from your mistakes. Um, because because the mistakes are going to be there. In, in radio, uh, in those early years especially, um, when it was all manual. Now, if there's dead air, you just blame it on a computer. But dead air was a huge no-no 
and and you had just failed miserably mm-hmm. if, if there was dead air for any amount of time, and uh, so you, you didn't want it. But um, you know, now it's like okay, it happens. <laughs> How do you recover from it? And that is always the approach I took when I was hiring air talent. I didn't listen uh, for the 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 scoped. Uh, Air, air check is what they call them, a recording of them being on the air, to hear every time they open the mic be perfect. I wanted to listen to a real recording. Back then, you couldn't just pull up a radio station on the internet right. <laughs> from anywhere. So you'd have to fly to that market and listen to them on the radio. And if they messed up, I wanted to see how well they recovered. Right. And and that really is, I think it went to that, but I, I didn't know to call it that. But learning from your mistakes, how do you get out of it and how do you make the best of it of, of what happened? Because we're all people at the end of the day, uh, all of us are, are fallible and, and we're going to make those mistakes. So um, don't worry about being perfect. Uh, nobody should at any age. Um, try your best, but uh, pick yourself back up and, and uh, uh, dust yourself off and, and keep going. Bob, as always, it's been great to visit. Uh, we we have a regular um, exchange, but it's been nice to do this in a, a recorded manner. So thanks for your patience and thanks for doing this with me today. Thank you, Steve. I enjoyed it very much. You bet. So this is Stephen Buck signing off from Studio CPO. Thanks for listening.